one and all and everyone. Welcome to our new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies, where we are also talking about a new movie, Kong Skull Island. That's right. We're not coming in late on this one. This <laughs> well, movie a little late. <laughs> this movie just hey, it just came out. It just came out. But I think by the end of this episode, you will all agree that we're not really late because this movie will age like a fine wine. Right, Dakota? I hope so. <laughs> not not like Velveeta cheese. <laughs> yeah. Velveeta cheese, I used to think, was a magical, magical thing. And then you get older and you realize it's not cheese. And it just <laughs> wants to plug you up. <laughs> what is that stuff? How can it be a quote-unquote cheese and you don't have to put it in the fridge (laughs) it's freaky i don't know it used to blow my mind because growing up it was the only cheese you could put in the microwave (laughs) and it wouldn't come out warped it would actually come out somewhat decent (laughs) but that's also a warning (laughs) why is it why is it fine oh well on that creepy note on to the creepy movie yes much like a character in this movie it's able to survive massive amounts of radiation, I guess. <laughs> yes. So uh, we're going to jump right into it here, though, our review of Kong Skull Island. Uh, Dakota, when did you first hear about this movie? It's been kind of talked about for a while now. When did it come on to your radar that this was happening? Uh, it was actually right after the Oscars a couple of years ago because Michael Keaton, had who he he had just starred in Birdman, and everyone was talking about Michael Keaton again. And everyone kept asking, well, what's your next big project? And he, he said, this was it. Um, I'm not sure who he was supposed to play, but he dropped out. And I'm actually kind of ashamed of myself because when I heard that they were making this movie... Uh, I immediately said, what? That is the dumbest idea I have ever heard. And never have I been so wrong. Yeah, uh, Michael Keaton and J.K. Simmons were both actually early on attached to this movie. And then apparently uh, John C. Riley took over the role that Keaton was going to have. Oh, I wondered about that. And Samuel L. Jackson replaced J.K. Simmons. So that's You know, I, I think I I would have preferred those two original actors. Uh it's hard to say without giving away where we're probably gonna go in our review a little bit. I, I did enjoy John C. Riley. Yeah. He he really chewed up the scenes he was in. <laughs> it's been a long time since we had a good kind of comedic performance though for Michael Keaton. That's true. It's I, true. I think with those crazy eyes he could do, he probably maybe will del- did a little better. Probably the last one I remember is uh, Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just kidding, it wasn't that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you know, and I'm wondering if what some of the change was was this movie was originally just going to be called Skull Island. Yeah, and I I heard I don't know if this was they kind of changed up the concept, but I had heard that it was essentially a prequel to the Peter Jackson movie that came out a few years ago. That was kind of the uh, the grapevine was that, yeah, it was going to be, yeah, yeah, a prequel to that one, which would have had it set 
in the twenties, if not earlier. And so, because Peter Jackson movie takes place in what nineteen thirty three, thirty two, yeah, something like that. And so, yeah, that would have just changed a lot because this movie, uh, Kong Skull Island, the one that is now in theaters and came to fruition, takes place in nineteen seventy three kind of uh right after vietnam has ended the vietnam conflict i should say yeah one thing that i find a little underwhelming about the marketing for this movie is nobody was really talking about the setup for this movie like the troops that you see in this movie are coming directly off the end of the Vietnam War. Yeah, they're like not even coming from America. It's like they're going to be going home after Vietnam ended, but instead go right to this. And so, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And uh, Samuel Jackson plays their, their what is he, a colonel? Yeah, he's a colonel. And, and he's kind of their head up. And he is wound like the wine... Titus wound toy. I mean, uh, they really utilize Samuel Jackson's crazy eyes in this movie. At least I thought where you could just see how he was on edge and, and how they, how they kind of, uh, explain that was he, he's a very decorated Colonel and he just saw that all of his, he just felt like all of his accolades and all of his work and all of his sacrifices and all his men's sacrifices were for nothing because when somebody brings up losing, that they lost the war, he goes, we didn't lose it, we abandoned it. Like, he kind of had this mentality like, it wasn't over, they just quit, and I don't want to quit, kind of thing. And he kind of jumped on to this... Um, opportunity to come and be the military escort on this journey as kind of like oh i can stay in it and be a part of another another thing not even knowing at that point that they would come across there be monsters in these lands and so because kind of what the setup is is you have we're introduced to uh john goodman and his kind of scientific partner kind of one of the guys right under him who uh john goodman brings onto his team because he wrote a paper with this theory and john goodman is basically a monster hunter like he he uh he's a guy who's trying to convince the government that there's still monsters in existence and that we need to protect ourselves from them and so He's trying to get the funding to go check out this island that was discovered because of the new invention known as satellite technology, where they got a picture of this island from from space, and they saw that it's undiscovered because it's surrounded by constant stormy fog, which I thought was kind of interesting way to explain that. And uh, and so they kind of get together this ragtag group that includes Samuel Jackson's military crew. They recruit Tom Hiddleston to be kind of the unknown land tracker man and then brie larson's character jumps on as a war photographer 
who something just doesn't seem right because they're trying to pass this off as a scientific expedition and she feels like there's something more there. And so even though she's this war photographer, she jumps on this thing to be the photographer for it of something that just seems really low-key science, science-y trip. And so that's kind of the setup coming into this. And then it pretty much takes off from there. You have that setup. I mean, is that how you felt, Dakota? They did not hide King Kong. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, I felt like Warner Brothers kind of learned their lesson about with the Godzilla movie. Where they kind of maybe corrected things that they should have done in the Godzilla movie. Um, just for people who don't know, the Godzilla movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago, directed by Gareth Ed- Gareth Edwards, uh, is set in the same universe as this movie. Yes. Yep. In fact, the company that John Goodman works for, Monarch, is also the company from Godzilla that uh, the Asian character Ken Watanabe is uh, is working for. So this is like this is a movie that's taking place before the events of Godzilla. Um, but we're seeing that there's these kind of connection points. And so you're kind of asking like, okay, where is, what's the deal here? How is this going to work? And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're developing this whole universe here with these characters. But, uh, but really what was surprising and, uh, kind of unexpectedly nice was how oh we're not going to have them wander around for a half an hour on this island and then you'll see a couple whoosh whoosh but it was just like king kong comes on the scene pretty quick and is king konging it up and it is quite spectacular in a jarringly violent sort of way (laughs) And and so you're 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 introduced to King Kong as being gigantic. He's huge. He's like hundred feet tall, and is just tearing tearing things apart, and is just ravaging ravaging these these people right right from the get go. And so you're kind of asking yourself like, okay, so what what is King Kong going to be in this movie? Is he is he the villain or is he the hero? You know, what's going on? Because this first scene, you just see the absolute strength of King Kong, which sets up the whole idea that he is the king and that and that it will like there isn't is man a match for this monster. And so, I don't know, I thought that was a pretty cool introduction. How did you feel about that introduction of King Kong happening just so quick and, like, wha-bam, Dakota? It was actually pretty intense. That's the closest thing I could come to describing it because there's kind of this neat little scene where, you know, these helicopters are flying through the air and this really cool formation. There's a Looks great, very Vietnam-y. There's a great song from Black Sabbath playing in the background. And then, yeah, chaos ensues just literally within the blink of an eye. People are dying. That's something that this movie kind of did really well. It would go from kind of one 
one emotion it would give you like one emotion and then next thing you know it it have you like jumping or laughing but yeah the scene where he takes on the helicopters um it's shown in the trailer quite a bit but it doesn't prepare you for what happens and it's just i guess the word i'm looking for is is stunning <laughs> yeah and i think this this director i don't know D- dakota were you familiar with this director jordan Vogit roberts or vot roberts uh no not at all i don't even think i heard that name before yeah it's another case where he had done a movie a few years ago called the kings of kings of summer that got a lot of kind of film festival attention and i think this was his real big this was his first big movie but i'm wondering if they picked him just because he had this vision because man the look of this movie was pretty neat i like the way they use i don't know a lot of you maybe have seen the poster we've seen the poster for it where it's like this giant silhouette of kong kind of standing in front of the the setting sun you know and there was like just kind of a lot of neat visuals used in that way and uh you just got a lot of really interesting moment shots is kind of how i felt but i thought also when it was brought into the whole of everything else that sometimes moment shots when directors do those are like they're so like jarring cause it's like we cut to this moment shot and we cut back and cut 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 but it's like I like the way he kind of like it was kind of all flawlessly kind of put all together. I really liked kind of just how that looked and how how smoothly it all went together, how it kind of cut from oh, like the helicopter, one of the helicopters is falling and it's like well, crashing would be a better word. And so it's like crashing but it's upside down and they've shown you this bobblehead of Richard Nixon a few times. And there's just this few second shot of as it's crashing upside down of showing the Richard Nixon bobblehead upside down and like the head bobbling. And it's like that shot didn't really mean anything, but it also didn't take away. And it just kind of added like something like we were familiar with. And then he just kind of cuts to that. And and I don't know. It just kind of had like some shots like that. This kind of made it all kind of look neat and kind of have an originality to it. Um, I don't, did you, I don't know. What'd you feel about kind of just the look of the movie? I thought it was, it was pretty good overall. Uh, talking about how he shot some of these things, it was interesting because he used a lot of different camera angles. When one of the helicopters going down, there's almost like a uh, a POV point of view shot from inside the helicopter. Yeah, that was pretty neat. And then, of course, the people inside survive. Unfortunately, Kong is still out there, so he then destroys the helicopter which is like oh yeah my God, i'm feeling all these emotions right now you're in the helicopter and it's like kind of shaking a little bit and then you just see out the door of the helicopter everything is just spinning spinning wildly and then all of a sudden you start catching shots of like a furry leg you know being lifted up and you're just getting this total point of view of like being in that helicopter it was almost like a ride but it was really putting you into the movie and and it was just kind of neat because because I think this is one of those movies where you can't compare it to Saving Private Ryan or Schindler's List or something. You need to understand that like okay, this is just 
a goofy, over-the-top action monster movie in that there's going to be just ridiculous carnage. And I think if you go in with that attitude, it's like you understand it's all just done for just the spectacle, I guess. I think the part of it, though, is people may have gone to this not sure what to expect. I mean... We went we went to it. I don't know about you, but I was just kind of expecting, you know, monster movie, these people essentially something along the lines of Jurassic Park. But with a little a, bit, but with yeah. a lot more guns and, you know, yeah. a lot more Samuel L. Jackson and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cuz he's in Jurassic Park, I guess. Yeah. And just just more violence and more monsters and and then you know, they they threw in little little touches of horror uh, a lot of comedic moments. Um, and then one thing I thought was cool was just like the dialogue kind of back and forth between the characters. There wasn't really a dull moment in this movie. You know, sometimes there's... Yeah, in the dialogue, you're right, it was pretty naturalistic. Yeah. Like, like the way it moved between them. Like, uh, yeah, for a movie that's relying more on, we know you're just here for the big monkey, <laughs> that... uh there actually was a movement of the dialogue that felt not clunky, you know, and and kind of naturalistic to who they were supposed to be in the movie. And, yeah, that was kind of interesting. I didn't think about that aspect so much. Um, I, I guess as far as, okay, we kind of brought that up, is, okay, so in this movie we had John Goodman, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, Samuel Jackson. Um, those were kind of the main heavy hitter four movie stars, I would say that were in this movie. And then they're backed up by a lot of people that you recognize them from this, that, and the other thing. Uh, how did you feel about that? How did you feel about the human element to this movie, Dakota? Like the people within the characters, how the characters were, their arcs, things like that. It was all, it was all really incredible because I don't think there was really a character in this movie that was wasted. You know, there it seems like in <laughs> there's a lot that were wasted. <laughs> well, they were cannon fodder. Come on, that's what. By they wasted, were I mean for. any of you Star Trek fans, you want know to talk about? There were a lot of red shirts in this movie. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go on. Ninety percent of the people you see in this movie are red shirts, I guess. <laughs> oh man, but no, it's just I mean. There weren't any kind of people who were there who were talking just to, like, fill up screen time. It was all kind of just, it seemed just really natural the way characters would talk to other words. Soldier talking to another soldier. Uh, some nerd who's never been in any sort of <laughs> situation under stress talking to another scientist. Uh, people completely out of their element who are essentially saying, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> and just, you know. Yeah, you had the classic, I should just be behind my desk guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you have the guy who should have been behind his desk saying, oh, I'm going to run with the big dogs today. <laughs> yeah. Guess what happens to him? So, yeah. And I, I thought, I thought they handled the human element fairly well in this i mean there were a few things that were maybe over the top a little bit um but when you take into account that those certain over the top things fit into the fact that you were at a monster movie yeah. it didn't really i think hurt it 
And I felt like, for the most part, you understood the intentions and got to know the characters that you needed to know uh, well enough to at least have some sort of attachment to them. Probably the weakest uh, of the mains, I would say, would be Brie Larson. And I don't even think it's her fault. I think she was fine. Uh, It was just like, I think they were just, maybe they just struggled to know exactly with what to do with her. Because uh, she was the photographer person. Uh, But I think there were just times where it seemed like they weren't quite sure what to do with her. But they didn't want her also to just be um, the love interest or, you know, the the damsel in distress. And so it kind of almost ended up, and she wasn't machine gun Kelly or whatever, you know? And so it almost put her in this place where it left her in this nebulous of, she didn't always have that much to do. Do you know what I mean? Because she wasn't this type of female or like the Ripley character type thing, you know, she wasn't on either side. And so I don't know. I mean, I, th- I thought she was fine, yeah. but it just kind of left her, unfortunately, kind of lost in the middle, I thought. Yeah, I don't know what really the thinking was behind her, um, other than the fact that, you know, King, Hong, King Kong kind of has a thing for blondes. I mean, even in this movie, <laughs> it shows a little bit. Um, I think she's essentially there to just kind of harken back to the to the films of yore really yeah i was glad that they toned that back the whole king kong having a thing for the lady yeah i'm kind of glad those because that they really kind of overdid that to almost like a creepy level in peter jackson's where it was like you almost felt like they were in love at times in peter jackson's which was kind of weird uh well it was weird not kind of and so i was glad that they toned that back and uh, and another interesting thing was I wanted to bring up was how did you feel about Tom Hiddleston as being like the testosterone leading man of this movie? You know he he kind of slid into that role very comfortably, and I didn't feel like you. Know, I didn't feel like he was out of place, so he he handled himself really well in such a way that it was a little surprising. Yeah, I was surprised, too, because I, yeah. I honestly thought it was going to be more like Adrian Brody in that Predator movie. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, I don't know if he's really going to work, you know, just because uh, he just seems. And I think it's because most of my Tom Hiddleston experience is with him as like the slimy, use my brains, not my brawn, Loki. And then Thor was the brawn. You know, and so he was always kind of this weaselly guy in most things. So I was kind of like, when I saw he was like supposed to be the lead muscle man, is like, I don't know about this. But yeah, it was surprising how well he fit. And, uh, you know, he still had his British accent. He was still playing a British man. And even that, I felt like he, he found a way to use his British accent that sounded like manlier than like his low key British, you know, where it just sounded a little more like, yeah, I'm a guy who can, can hold my own. 
So yeah, that 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 I found interesting. Now, uh, we had mentioned, or I had mentioned Samuel Jackson. How did you like him as the as the kind of wound colonel? <laughs> oh, he was honestly uh, a little too perfect. I thought. <laughs> do you feel? How do you feel about Samuel Jackson being in every movie? Does that bother you? Or are you one of those people where it's like, why is he in everything? Well, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Problem is, sometimes he's he's not really acting. Like in this movie, he he was required to act a little bit, but sometimes it's like it's like he's just there <laughs> to remind people that he's still around. It's like it's like somebody just tell him, "Hey, we all know who you are. We all <laughs> love seeing you." You don't you don't got to be in like 10 movies every year, man. Yeah, there's been like a couple of comic book movies he's in and not the Captain America, you know, Nick Fury roles, but like uh The Spirit and Kingsman. Where I know those were ones where people were like, "Yeah, he doesn't have to be in everything." Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. In this movie, it did feel like uh Yeah, he was he was playing it well and he did fit. He did fit where it wasn't like, Hey, it's Samuel Jackson. And he's just yelling. Like he really didn't yell in this movie. He was playing the party. He's supposed to play a guy who was trying to keep war going. Cause he didn't know what else to do with himself. Uh, really, or, you know, and have really an identity outside of that. And so, yeah, it was kind of like the first time I've really seen him act since maybe unbreakable. You know, actually. Wow! Now that you say that, yeah, I can't think of anything in the last couple of years. Otherwise, he's always kind of Samuel Jackson, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of, and then uh, John Goodman. I just felt the whole time like he was basically playing a slightly different version of his Ten Cloverfield Lane <laughs> character. Like you all think I'm crazy, but I'll prove that I'm right, <laughs> or something. Well, they don't. It's never kind of said, but I feel like he was just going through. Uh, post-traumatic stress that was obviously that's back then when it was never treated and it just like well Vietnam's would help bring awareness to it a little more yeah and essentially I did think that was cool in the very beginning of the movie you do see a shot of him uh, when he was younger with yeah it looked like a shot from Roseanne <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something like his face looked like it did in Roseanne and it was like supposed to be when he was in his you find out later his character was in the Navy yeah, that's and, right, the Navy, yep. Yeah, and it's like, oh, man, <laughs> I do, that that face does not say Navy at all. <laughs> no, and what's funny is, like, he's lost some weight, you know, as of late, and it's like, he looked heavier in his younger picture than he did in the movie, which yeah. was, well, also, was, I thought was kind of funny. Uh, But, yeah, and so, like I said, I mean, everybody, everybody was fine. Uh, like we mentioned, there's a lot of cannon fodder. Um, now let's move on to some of the more other stars of the movie. The creatures. Creature. How did you feel about how the creatures looked? You know, they actually looked pretty good. I was a little worried they, uh, worried they were kind of just going to be kind of a lot like the Mutos from the Godzilla movie where... They looked a little derivative from the Cloverfield monster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yep. There's like a lot of a kind of odd variety of monsters on this island from this weird giant spider to 
there's a scene in the movie where Kong takes on this mythical beast. So that was odd. And then the main... There's like a log... <laughs> log bug. Yeah, there's like a lot of giant water buffaloes. and Yeah, the bloodthirsty uh, birds that look like dinosaurs. Yeah, a lot of different things in this movie. And then, yeah, the main creature outside of Kong that's focused on is these underground dwelling creatures which do they ever give them a name i don't think they do skull crawlers I oh yeah <laughs> skull crawlers which john c Riley just made up like on the spot so but uh yeah they uh i guess i i felt like the skull crawlers i guess we'll just call them did look like a lot of other types of creatures you see like that in movies um but i thought they were they were still you know i mean they were very intimidating looking still and uh and i i guess i thought uh i wasn't put off by the cgi like obviously this had obviously this was cgi um they don't do the big monkey suits anymore and try to make a guy, you know, like a guy run around a monkey suit or something. And and so I thought I wasn't distracted by bad CGI or anything, any of the shots. And so I thought all that looked pretty well. And I thought some of the other types of creatures now they came up with, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting, just things they came up with to make moments in the movie and, and kind of make this land that time forgot of sorts. And so, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of interesting. Yeah, if anything, I was a little disappointed. There was, or I shouldn't say I was disappointed, but I was expecting at least some sort of dinosaur to be roaming this island. But yeah, I think they feel like the dinosaur thing has been done. Yeah. So maybe they want to try something different, which was, which was fine because there's still a triceratops skull you see <laughs> yeah. in one shot. So it kind of reminds you, like, oh, they're you know they were around. We could still have them eventually, but we're going to take a dinosaur break. There's been enough dinosaurs in movies lately. But, uh, uh, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And then, of course, you got to have the natives. There's always the Skull Island natives, which uh, I liked the new take on the island natives. Did you like kind of how they decided to do the natives in this movie? Yeah, they, just, they honestly just seem like um, kind of tribes you would find on any any island in the south uh the south pacific yeah south pacific which seemed a little more natural yeah i like that and i liked how they just weren't like psychotic spear throwing killers <laughs> yeah. you know like that uh they were still you know whatever you want to call it a superstitious type primitive tribe but that they weren't themselves like creatures that the explorers had depicted but they were like they were still humans you know there was still like this human element to them and it was kind of an interesting new new take on that which was nice um and so yeah and so i guess i don't know any what would be your like do you have really any what is your without being too spoilery what do you think was the best thing about this movie, Dakota? And what do you think was the worst thing about this movie? Well, easily the best was probably Kong himself. Um, 
they really kind of just went for it with him. Um, they didn't they didn't make him kind of just like, oh, we're gonna go with a more how a gorilla would naturally be in the environment where he just kind of, you know, no, he like runs and he climbs on mountains and he's he's just all over the place and yeah, he's really just he's a biped in this movie and yeah, he actually uses weapons. <laughs> with yes. And that was just cool. And yes, that was really sweet. This is a Kong movie after all, and he worked pretty well. Um, almost to the point where I kind of was expecting like to for him to be the villainous, but he's not. Uh, is he the hero? That's what I'm struggling with right now. But no, I thought he was easily the best part. Him and Samuel L. Jackson, I guess. <laughs> All right, and then what about your, what do you think was like the weakest or worst thing? Oh, that would easily, easily be kind of this anti-war message. They tacked on and tried to subvertly send your way every now and then. (laughs) Uh, Shea Wiggum, I think is how you pronounce his name, uh, who's an actor who's been like a ton of things, Boardwalk Empire, kind of has this little story he tells about why he carries an AK-47 and he says something along the lines of uh, sometimes the enemy doesn't exist till you go looking for him. Uh, No, sometimes the enemy exists. Just exists. You gotta go find him. There, you're right. There were a couple, like, there were a few spots where it was like, that was kind of forced, you know, and yeah, it, it, yeah, that would, yeah, it's true because most of the things, you know, with the characters are done pretty, like, like I said, naturalistic, but it felt like those were like, just, some of them just kind of like it barely worked or something, you know, and yeah. Yeah, it seemed like every probably about 15 minutes they were trying to try, I'd say that was it the was, only. It was like they had to remind us that Vietnam was a disaster. It's like, well, we all know that that was a disaster. I I feel like the only reason the song War wasn't in this movie. It's because it probably would have been too on the nose. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, we got to do it very subtly. We can't let them know this is anti-war <laughs> rhetoric we're sending at you. We'll keep showing, yeah, we'll just keep showing the Richard Nixon bobblehead or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, what a lot of people forget is probably the best thing about Richard Nixon was that uh, he was... Uh, a conservationist? Well, and he was good at... Uh, international relations. You know, he actually was pretty good at talking with China and making things work and stuff. But I heard that the Vulcans have a saying: only Nixon could go to China. <laughs> yeah, it's just that uh, kind of got overshadowed by a few other things. And his, you know, he's a little bit paranoid. Anyway, yeah, for myself, best thing about this movie were uh, uh, there were just my best thing. Kind of comes down to using the term moments, but I don't mean, I mean it in the term like, there were just a lot, I guess I was just surprised by how many amazing moments that they made in this movie that all came together into one big spectacle and kind of worked together and to kind of give it this feel that was so different because I think one of the things that hurt Godzilla a little bit and Gareth Edwards must just be his thing because he kind of did with Rogue One a little bit, is that it was so, like, 
overly heavily serious feeling the whole time that it was like you kind of forgot about the funness of going to a creature feature. And I and I just feel like there were so many moments in this movie that even though you were feeling kind of the the horror of the scariness of it all, that it was still they remembered to bring in just the fun spectacle of it all. And I just really enjoyed that. I think that's the most positive thing about this movie. Um, it's just how they created so many fun moments that came together into the movie. And I would say probably negative would be just a few little things with, I think I just would have, I don't know, this is kind of maybe a nitpick, but just kind of, like I said, I just kind of felt like maybe some of the, the creatures were in the way they did a few things that those were a little redundant from other things, but it probably is hard to think of something real original and to do when you're kind of in this type of thing. And so I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to say because when you take this movie for what it is, uh, it's hard to be really hard on it. You know, if you were sitting here thinking like, I'm going to go watch this as if it's going to be an Oscar contender. <laughs> well then, yeah, I'm going to see a lot of things wrong with this movie. Like, Oh, this is, this will never be, you know, like uh, this, 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 this. But when you look at it for what it is, it's like, that was a pretty fun ride. You know? And so I think uh, it's kind of hard when you put that into perspective. But I, I would agree with you, Dakota, that you're right. That, like, there are a few times where it's like, we get it. Uh, Vietnam was bad. War is bad. But then the next minute, they're all throwing grenades and shooting machine guns. And so, <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going on? But, uh, yeah. So, overall, Dakota, uh, what would you what would you give this? I would probably give this three stars out of four. Yeah, three stars out of four. Uh, I would. I'd be in the same boat. I. W- I would be. Uh, I would be. Yeah, it's hard. Can we do a five star? <laughs> Let's do five stars. So, what would you get out of five stars? Oh man, I'd go three and a half. Dang it! See, that's why I went to five stars so that I could do three and a half and be different from you. But. Um, I'll yeah. bump it up to four stars. <laughs> four out of five stars. See, now it doesn't feel genuine, though. But that's all right. Yeah, I would give it, yeah, like three and a half out of five stars because this isn't a masterpiece, but it's not meant to be a masterpiece. Um, but it's still fun. It still looks great. And I thought this director uh, had a really interesting um, touch that he gave to it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'll be interested, interested to see what happens next with this whole universe world they're setting up and what this could mean for these monsters coming together it'll be kind of fun to see what that lead where that leads and if uh samuel jackson will defy age and somehow be in present day also no or will he you'll have to see this movie and find out it'll be his great grandson (laughs) yeah so uh yeah so we both give this a recommend i would say uh see in theaters it's pretty fun to see it in theaters oh yeah on the big screen and kind of get that full i think event eventness of it this is definitely one of those movies where you kind of if you want to really enjoy it you have to see it on the big screen oh yeah Yeah. i I think to more fully enjoy it definitely it's uh, it's uh it kind of warrants warrants that in a way with these types of movies but uh 
yeah, if you just want to like, man, I just to want to grow some hair on my chest really quick and feel manly. <laughs> it's like this would be a good movie for that. Or if you got uh, a jumpy lady friend that, uh, you know, you want to be able to put your arm around a lot, this might be a good <laughs> one for that too because she might jump towards you a little bit. So, uh, and if your girl is a jumpy boyfriend, hey, maybe you'll get your <laughs> arm around him. Who's to say who's jumpy? There's some scaredy cat boys out there too. You know who you are. But, yeah, with that, um, we hope you check us out on uh, – we hope you check us out just in general. Dakota and I are some pretty good-looking guys. Unfortunately, we're both taken. But <laughs> that being said – Steven's being very generous <laughs> on my behalf right now. That being said, uh, we hope you do check us out, uh, the Dakota Boys Talk Movies, that is, on Facebook, on Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube, um, Stitcher, we're also on there if that's a place you like to use for listening to podcasts. Um, and iTunes, of course, the the big guy. And so, again, uh, lately we've been noticing just some subscriber boosting, some view boostings on listening to some of our old episodes even. That is so awesome. We love that. Thank you for that. I and, feel uh, like that's mostly due to people seeing if we were serious about doing commentary <laughs> yeah. for, some those, for some of those movies. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, we're not, we're not bad. You know, we've done some commentaries in the past, which is where we literally watch the, we watch the movie while talking at the same time and then try to cue, try to do it in a way where you could cue the movie and watch it while we talk about it. And so it's kind of a way where we're all there together watching the movie, but distracting you the whole time. <laughs> but uh, if you, if there's one you'd like us to do of that, uh, just let us know. Or if there's something you want us to review that's like, yeah, this movie's 20 years old, but hey, their show's called Talk Movies, not just Talk New Movies. Hey, we're up for it. We like the we like some of the old movies, too. In fact, some of our favorite movies are over 20 years old, or 30 years old, or 40 years old. So um, Some of them are even coming up on uh, retirement age, I believe. <laughs> yeah, depends on, depends on what your favorite movies are, but yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, when you think about the 60s being quite a few years ago now, so in uh, 50s. But, yeah, so let us know. Talk to us. We love it. And thanks a lot for listening and subscribing. And, uh, uh, yeah, just you can always just let us know anything on any of those places. And so with that, we'll close this show. So this is Steven. And this is Dakota. Take it easy and enjoy the movies. Mm-hmm.